evening, and I think tonight we're going to close out our series on faulty philosophies. We've been preaching through several of these since the beginning of the year, uh, just kind of looking at different people in the Bible and uh, seeing the things that uh, they did that was uh, what God says don't do, amen, and uh, doing what we're supposed to do as far as learning uh, as examples. And remember what I say, folks, you don't have to learn lessons the hard way, amen. That's the reason God gave us the Bible. I mean, truth be told, if you look at the Scripture and you study the Scripture, you find almost every instance of someone doing something they probably shouldn't have done. And so uh, let's learn from it. Amen. And so uh, I don't see how we could not talk about faulty philosophies and not talk about the two people we're going to talk about tonight. Our text is 1 Kings chapter 16. And so if you find your place, stand with me there, please. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 16. And I'm going to read verses uh, 29 through 33. 1 Kings chapter 16, I'm sorry, verse 28. Uh, we're going to uh, pick it up in verse 28. And uh, notice what the Bible says here. 1 Kings chapter 16, beginning in verse 28. Uh, so Amri slept with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. And Ahab his son reigned in his stead. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Amri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Amri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Amri, notice this, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took to wife... Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the scripture tonight. I pray you'd speak to us. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord. Now, please, teach us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to understand the things that you'd have for us today, uh, tonight. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All right. <clears throat> I feel like uh, it may just be me. I feel like I sound hollow. Okay. Tell you what, Brother John, I, I'm, gonna, I'm switching back to the pulpit mic, all right? Just get rid of uh, the lapel, and uh, we're going back to the pulpit mic. And so uh, I feel like I can get better off that. There we go. That sounds better to me. That sound better to you? All right. Very good. All right. Um, of course, uh, again, two of the most uh, infamous characters in all the Bible, uh, probably when it comes to what not to do, is Ahab and Jezebel. In fact, just their names, just their names are linked to uh, things that are uh, uh, bad and, and evil. And I mean, today, if someone says, man, that person's acting like a Jezebel, everybody knows what that means, right? And uh, all because of their faulty philosophy, and here's what it is. Ahab and Jezebel believed that they could sow wickedness without reaping judgment. Sow wickedness without reaping judgment. Notice what it says in verse 25. Listen to this. But there was none likened to Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. I mean, think about this. Ahab, first of all, was the son of a wicked king. But you know what? He seemed to outdo his father, Amri, when it came to wickedness. And uh, in, in his disobedience to the law of God, the Bible says, remember, think about this. We're not talking about a heathen king here. We're talking about a king of Israel. We're talking about the uh, same nation whom David was king of, whom Solomon was uh, uh, king of. Israel. I mean, think about it. God's people. Amen? 
And uh, he took to wife, which by the way, the, script, the law was very clear on that, that they were, we kind of talked about that this morning in Genesis chapter 6, that they were not to intermarry that way. The, uh, the Christians, the, God's people were not to intermarry the heathen. But not Ahab, man, the Bible talks about it. He took to wife uh, to, uh, Jezebel, who was the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians. Now think about this for me, if you ever thought about this, okay? Her dad's name was Ethbel. Her name was Jezebel, and they worshipped the false god Baal. Okay? They were named literally after their false god. Okay? And uh, if you read, and we'll look a little bit about this tonight, man, they were bent on worshipping this false god of Baal. Baal worship. And, uh, man, and, and I don't, I'm not going to get into it tonight, but historically, if you study what Baal worship, it was a wicked heathen practice. Amen? And it wasn't just some, you know, form of a god. It was a wicked, a, a heathen god. And, and, and they sold themselves to that false wickedness. And so Ahab and Jezebel, no doubt, the Bible says that they, they sold themselves to work wickedness. I mean, could you imagine God saying that about you? That's your reputation. You were sold to work wickedness. Man, that, that, that's not uh, something you'd want said about you. And so what was the things uh, that they involved themselves in? Well, of course, the first, obviously, we've already talked about it, was idolatry, bell worship. God was very clear when He gave the law to the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 20. And, of course, Exodus chapter 20, when I say that chapter, you think of what? The Ten Commandments, right? And the first commandments very clearly state this, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other God before me. By the way, that wasn't just good then, that's good now. Amen? We may not call it Baal, but listen to me, folks. Anything that takes the place of God in our lives is a false God. I'm afraid as Americans, they may not uh, fall down to false idols, but man, they, they worship false gods. Amen? And let me just say this. Uh, uh, the, the, that, that command is still good for us today. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make into thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that's in heaven above, or that's in earth beneath, or that's in the water under the earth. Amen? Listen to me, folks. God doesn't want any image that we think God looks like to try to, to, to make of Him. By the way, there's a lot of graven images of supposed Jesus today. Let me just tell you that. Uh, I'm going to park here for a minute. Amen? All right? That's, that, that, that painting that floats around, okay, that when you say Jesus, most people think of, it's that picture that's got like that brown background with Jesus kind of staring off and, and long flowy. Listen to me. That was not what Jesus looked like. Amen. By the way, study study history. You know who painted that? Sodomite painted that. Should it surprise us that it's feminine looking? Right? Listen, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. You want a picture of Jesus, go to Revelation chapter 19, and you'll get a good picture of what Jesus looks like. Amen? book of Revelation tells us what He looks like. And I'll just tell you this, uh, He don't need anybody trying to make an image of Him. Right? Because He's God. So idolatry. And man, Ahab, Jezebel sold themselves to idolatry. Not only that, by the way, that the, the sin of not putting God in His proper place leads to other horrendous sins. Why do you think I'm always preaching about keeping God number one as a Christian? Again, the world does what the world does. We're not talking, we're talking about us as Christians tonight. Amen? Listen, keep God number one because if you don't, you'll go down a path that's got a very bad ending. The second thing we see that they attempted to exterminate God's prophets. Jezebel used her resource and power to hunt down and kill the prophets of the true God. She even threatened to kill the prophet Elijah. 
And folks, again, you know what? God's very clear about that. Psalms 105, verse 15, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. First Kings 18, 4, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Uh, we see uh, in First Kings chapter 19, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You know what they thought they could do? They started uh, thinking that uh, they could uh, uh, deal with and take care of uh, the voice of truth and try to silence the voice of truth by killing God's prophets. And again, we're going to see where that kind of philosophy led. God said, you know, and by the way, God's always said this. You know what? Uh, uh, he deals with His men. Amen? Uh, God's man is in God's hand and God deals with them. And again, I'm not talking about not putting uh, or putting up with sin and foolishness and that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about people that are bent on destroying the voice of one of God's men. Amen? I'm going to tell you, God pays attention to that. And He paid attention to it when Ahab and Jezebel were involved in it. And then we see the sin of covetousness. Uh, another famous story here of Ahab and forsaken of time, we're not going to read it, but in 1 Kings chapter 21, it talks about how that Ahab coveted a vineyard that was owned by one of his neighbors, a man named Naboth. And he tried to buy it from Naboth, but the Mosaic law refused for him to sell it because it was his father's possession, and he wouldn't sell it. By the way, he shouldn't have sold it because he, he, he was interested in obeying the law and obeying God. But Ahab just had to have it. He had to covet it. And again, what's one of the Ten Commandments say to us? Thou shalt not covet. Amen? Want something that's not yours. And again, the sin of covetousness is very prevalent, it seems, in a lot of people's lives today. So Ahab coveted. And by the way, that sin didn't stop there because he coveted. And by the way, pretty interesting. He went home pouting about it, okay? And when he when he went home pouting about it, uh, old Jezebel heard about it. And then that led to conniving, false accusation, and murder. Murder. Why? They come up with this plan to uh, bring false accusation against Naboth. And they did. And you know what? An innocent man died at the hands of these wicked rulers. And uh, notice here how they're violating all the Ten Commandments, or most of them, right? Thou shalt not kill. All right, they didn't put God first where He belonged. And then on and on, the list keeps going down. They keep breaking the laws. And they uh, they set false accusation against Naboth. Then they had Naboth killed. And then uh, uh, then he went and stole the vineyard of Naboth. It led to thievery. And he stole that vineyard. So all that to say, these were some wicked people. Okay, these were some wicked rulers. And these were some people who thought, you know what? We can do what we want, and we can live how we want. We can say what we want, and guess what? Nobody's going to touch us. And they may have looked around this way, and they may have looked around that way, and this way, and that way, but there's one direction they didn't look. And let me tell you something, folks. You know what? Nobody can circumvent God's laws of sowing and reaping. Nobody can circumvent that. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, be not deceived. By the way, if you're deceived, guess who's doing that deception? Amen? The father of deception. Okay? What's the deception? What do sometimes people think? Here's what it says not to be deceived about. God is not mocked. You know what that means? Listen, you're not going to circumvent God's laws. Not going to happen. Okay? For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hosea chapter 8 verse 7 says this, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. 
All right, you sow a, a little bit, and let me tell you, a lot's coming back. Here's, here, here's what we know about the laws of sowing and reap. By the way, this isn't just true when it comes to Bible principles. This is true in just everyday life. I mean, come on, the farmers are finding this out right now. Here's what you find out. You reap exactly what you sow. No farmer is shocked that when he plants corn, he gets corn. No farmer is shocked about that. You know what? You don't plant corn and then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I got soybeans. No, because you reap exactly what you sow. How about this? You reap more than you sow. Why do farmers plant? Because they know they're going to reap a thousand times more than what they're putting in the ground. I mean, come on, you drive by those fields, and by the way, I'm glad to see them planted. Amen? Man, I tell you, I was a little concerned about some things for a while, and thank goodness it seemed to just be weather-related. And uh, But man, that was that was a little nerve-wracking last month. When you drive through fields, it didn't look like they'd even been planted yet. When we're living in one of the, the bread-basket parts of America. and uh, But you know what? You reap more than you sow. Guess what? When you could drive by those fields and here in a few months in the fall and when all the deer get big, amen, uh, they, uh, they're, they're eating on them crops. Listen, that one little seed didn't produce one little seed, did it? No, that one little seed literally produces thousands. It, it, you, why? Because you reap more than you sow. It's just part of God's laws. And then how about this? You reap after a period of time. Listen, they put the seed in the ground within the last month or so. Guess what? They're not going to be out there combining it tomorrow. Ain't going to be combining it in the next month or two. It's going to take a while. Okay, you know why? Because it takes some time. That's God's law. Amen? So, back to Ahab and Jezebel. They treat the righteous commandment of God with disdain. They live as though the law of sowing and reaping does not apply to them. Guess what they're going to find out? It's going to apply. By the way, when it, when it applies, it applies. Okay, because what did God do? God sent His man to pronounce judgment. By the way, I'm thankful for this. When the devil raises up people to do evil, God always raises up men and Christians to contend with the evil. There's always going to be a voice. Amen? There's always going to be a voice. Thank God for that. Throughout Israel's history, God sent prophets to preach righteousness and expose evil. God sent Elijah as prophet and pronounced judgment upon Ahab and Jezebel. Go to 1 Kings chapter 21. We're not too far from there. 1 Kings chapter 21. Let's look at what God had to say about all this nonsense going on. Verse 17. 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he's in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. And thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Hast thou killed and also taken possession? Hast thou, uh, and, and thou shalt speak unto him, saying, Thus saith the Lord, In the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I found thee, because thou sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up, and that is left in Israel, and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the uh, provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and made Israel to sin. And that Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the walls of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, of the, the dog shall eat. Him that dieth in the field, the fowls of the air shall eat. But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. Could you imagine 
that being the message that God calls you to go tell to the, the greatest political leader of the day. You know what? Literally go into the face of the king and, and bring him that message. And you know what? Uh, uh, God uh, uh, wanted uh, Ahab to understand loud and clear uh, what his path was going to lead to. So, was God's word sure? Was God kidding? Can a man sow wickedness and reap blessing? Do evil men get away with their deeds? Well, guess what? Three years pass. Think about it. Three years. In that time, Ahab lived in splendor. He ate well. He ruled Israel. He drinks wine from the grapes from Naboth's vineyards. By the way, three years seems a long time, doesn't it? By the way, we are the microwave generation. We want it when we want it. And that comes even to sometimes God moving. Come on, God, what are you waiting on? God ain't waiting on anything, folks, all right? God's plan is always perfect. God's timing is always right. And uh, we see that uh, three years passed. So here's the question. Was Elijah wrong? Did Ahab get away with all of his sin? Well, let's find out. Go to 1 Kings chapter 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. Beginning here in verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramath-Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and enter into battle, but put thou on thy robes. The king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Isn't it amazing, even, even in that right there, Ahab thinks he's so slick. He thinks, I mean, why do you think he had to, you think, don't think maybe the words of Elijah were echoing in his head somewhere? Well, well, you know, I, I heard what that, what that prophet said, but uh, I think I'm still going to try to connive and try to work my way through this. Well, let's see how it worked out. The king of Samaria commanded his 32 captains that had rule over his chariots, saying, Fight neither with small nor great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captain of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, Surely it's the king of Israel. And they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. It came to pass when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. Talking about the enemy. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture. (laughs) Again, folks, listen to me, all right? When God says something's going to happen, nothing's stopping it. When you hear that, a certain man drew a bow at a venture, uh, drew a bow at a venture, here's what that means, okay? He wasn't particularly aiming at anything. He was just pulling back and letting the arrow go. By the way, when he let that go, the hand of God took over. Okay, notice here, and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Okay, you know what that means was this. He was armored up, okay? He had his armor on. All his vitals were protected. He probably had some kind of face protection, head protection, chest protection. But guess what? God knew where the weak spot was at. God knew exactly where that arrow needed to go. Smote him right into, oh, that was just lucky. No, that was the hand of God. Okay? And smote him in the joints of the harness. Wherefore, he said unto the driver of his chariot, Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed upon his chariot against the Syrians and died at even. Notice here, and the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. And there went a proclamation throughout the host about the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Uh Uh-oh, verse 38. And one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according to the word of the Lord which he spake. Hmm, I guess God knew what he was talking about, didn't he? Amen? You think Ahab got by with his wickedness? 
You think uh, uh, he uh, was able to circumvent God's laws of reaping and sowing? Nope, judgment finally came. All right, that's Ahab. What about Jezebel? Well, guess what? Three years passed before judgment came to Ahab. Sixteen years passed since Elijah pronounced judgment on Jezebel. Think about that. Sixteen years. For sixteen years, she continues to worship her false gods, persecute God's prophets, live in wickedness. Again, that seems like a long time, doesn't it? She lives as royalty, and to those outside looking in, seems to be prosperous and happy. Has she gotten away with murder? Has she sown wickedness and dodged the harvest? Is God's laws of sowing and reaping to be spurned? Let's find out. God doesn't leave us hanging on this one either. Go to 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. Let's look at verse 30. Now we're to a different king named Jehu. And it says this, verse 30, And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out a window. And as Jehu entered it at the gate, he, she said, Had Zimri peace who slew his master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two of three eunuchs. And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. And when he was come in, he did eat and drink and said, Go see now uh, this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, And the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel. And the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung upon the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, this is Jezebel. Wow. You know what that's called? God keeping His Word. Amen? So remember this, folks. God's judgment does not always come immediately. Again, a farmer doesn't reap in the spring or sow in the spring and, and reap that same month. No, it takes some time. But I'm going to tell you, what is planted does grow. And although a space of time may in between, when judgment comes, it comes with finality. Now remember, what was this faulty philosophy we're talking about? That you can expect to circumvent God's laws of sowing and reaping. Okay, so what's the lesson for us today? Amen? What can we learn about this faulty philosophy? Let me give you three simple things and then we'll pray and then we'll go to the fellowship. Number one, listen to me church, don't miss this. Never fall for the devil's lie when he tries to convince you that sin does not have consequence. Do not fall for that lie. Don't fall for it, folks. It's a flat-out lie. What Satan, as I taught you before, what's his number one tool? Deception. Satan will flat-out lie to you. He will tell you things you want to hear. He'll tell you things that are just exact opposite of known truth of the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, there's something about our flesh that appeals to that. Because you know what? We want what we want when we want it. And the devil knows that, and he preys upon that. So do not fall for the devil's lie when he tries to convince you that sin does not have consequence. And you know what? And it's a sad story about Ahab and Jezebel. But listen, it wasn't just them that paid for it. Their family paid for it. I mean, you continue reading there and see the generational judgment that happened because of their sin. And folks, I'm going to tell you, especially as parents, that's why we better make sure we make right choices. Because when we make wrong choices, let me tell you, it's not just us that have to pay the tab. You know a lot of times, you know who picks up the tab on parents' bad choices? The kiddos do. 
I'm going to tell you, listen to me, folks. I don't care what the devil tries to come convince you of. You make poor, foolish choices. I'm telling you, your kids will pay the price. Okay? And so don't fall for that lie. Number two, never doubt the law of sowing and reaping. Never doubt that. No matter how it might look short-term, those who break God's commands will reap consequences. By the way, don't envy sinners who seem to be getting away with evil. Because nobody's getting by with anything. And I know, again, sometimes, listen, that's why you've got to keep your eyes focused on the right place. What's the Bible tell us? I believe it's in the book of Hebrews. Looking unto who? Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Amen? Don't get your eyes on the people of this world. Don't get your eyes on the things on this earth. Keep a heaven focus. Amen? Because when you keep focused on heaven, it'll, it'll help you not get caught up in the peripheral things going on on this earth. Listen, don't envy sinners who seem to be getting away with things. Again, as I said, nobody's getting by with anything. It's just not a matter of God's timing yet. But I'm telling you, it's coming. All right? And then how about this? Let me leave you with this. Because I don't want to just make this all negative because there's positive in this as well. Listen, all right? Just as the law of sowing and reaping works on the negative, guess what? It also works on the positive. So guess what? Sow good seed. Sow good seed. Let me tell you, why do we want the hearts of our young people? Because, listen, I want our our young people from just at the young age... I'm talking about why do you, again, I say it, but why do we sing those, those, you know, what some people may think silly opening assembly Sunday school songs? Because we're trying to get the hearts of the young people at a young age. Because you know why, folks? Because if they get it young, guess what they're going to start doing young? Sowing good seed. Oh, they're just lucky. No, nobody's lucky. By the way, that word lucky, if we knew the origination of that, we wouldn't even use it. You know where it seriously uh, uh, comes from? It comes from the occult, and it has its ties with the word Lucifer. It does. And we say, oh, that person's just lost. Let me tell you something, folks. No, you know what it is? Sowing and reaping. And again, I don't know about you, but I, I want my, my young people, I want my kids, I want the kids of this church, I want them to be able to reap good things for all of their life. Listen, it doesn't just have to be negative. You know, you, you literally can live, uh, young people that, that have been taught right and are doing right, you can live a blessed life and not have to honestly uh, suffer the consequence of a bunch of bad choices. Listen, folks, it, life's complicated enough without having to reap all the bad that we sowed. This idea of sowing wild oats, I'll just sow my wild oats. Let me tell you, the problem with sowing wild oats, you're going to have to reap the wild oats. Okay, no, it's, you know what's better off? Sowing good seed. Amen. At a young age. So yes, part of the reason I preach what I preach and how I preach it's for the sake of our young people. Amen? Trying to get their heart. That's why we go to camps. That's why we go to conferences. That's why we're going to be, you know, I know busy summer. we got four different camps we're involved in this summer. Listen, it's okay. Pay the price. Get your kids there. You know why? So they can learn to sow good seed. That's why. Because here's the thing. You sow good seed, guess what? You're going to reap good. Because this law goes both directions. Now here's the thing. I talk to a lot of people, and, and you know what, truth be told, uh, they, they face a lot of things. And, and, and again, it's not, I'm not being mean by saying it, but the reason sometimes people face hardships is because of what they've sown in the past. Okay? Yeah, you get saved. Aren't you glad God forgives all of your sin? Amen? Thank God for that. But guess what doesn't happen? The laws of sowing and reaping don't stop. Now, I'm thankful. I think we heard somebody say this not that long ago. God can cause crop failure. Amen? 
And you know what? Sometimes even in sowing and reaping, God can be merciful and maybe not make it have to be such a huge harvest. But listen to me, it's going to happen. And I talk to people all the time and I say, listen, yes, you're in a period of reaping out the bad. But listen, in the process of reaping out the bad, you can still be sowing good. And you've got to think long term. Okay, You can't just have a short-sighted view of the Christian life. By the way, God has always had a marathon mentality. What's He say in the book of Hebrews? Run patiently, patiently running the race that's set before us. Listen, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And you've got to think long term. And So you know what? What we're doing here on this earth, truth be told, is we're sowing the right kind of seed. We're investing in things of eternity so that when we get to heaven, we can reap that. Amen? So let me just encourage you. Sow good. And uh, you know what? If you've got to reap out some bad, listen, take your medicine. You like your free will? I like my free will. Yeah. Guess what along with free will comes sometimes? Making bad choices. And by the way, it's not God's fault. It's our fault because we sowed bad. Right. right? So don't get mad at God. Listen, if you sowed some bad seed, take your medicine. Get through the bad harvest. But then start dropping good seed in the ground. Amen? Right. And just remember this, all right? You won't sow wickedness without reaping judgment, but on the, on the other hand of that, you, you sow righteousness, you're going to reap blessing. Amen? Amen? And so let's remember these things from uh, Ahab and Jezebel. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.